Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Amy Watkins, Sustainability Manager at Agri, Chris Taylor, Agri Agronomist and Nuffield Scholar, and Dan Moore, Farm Manager here at Agri's South Wales iFarm. Today, we're asking some key questions. Sustainability through improving soil health and reaching net zero. How can that be done? Well, let's find out and talk to the experts. So good morning to you all. Morning. Good morning. Morning. And here we are in South Wales, and it is an absolutely stunning morning after the storms and rainfall of the last few days. So um, first of all, Dan, can we come to you? Tell us a little bit about the farm that you're managing here and, and what you do. So we're RNO Anthony, um, based just on the outskirts of Bridgend, um, and then we farm 12 miles along the coast down into the Vale of Morgan. Um, we're farming about 3,000 acres, um, sort of a mix of uh, wheat, wheat, orseed rape, um, forage maize and grass. Um, we grow a lot of about 30,000 tonne of forage crops for sale down into West Wales. Um, and we're sort of practicing sort of direct drilling, sort of regen uh, system. Great. And when you talk about that regen system, just driving along the track just now, I thought at first sight that it was a crop of winter beans, but in actual fact, there's much more to it than that. So tell us about the field that we're stood in right now. So this is actually a crop of uh, Auckland, um, orseed rape, um, crop with three companion crops of buckwheat, spring beans and a spring vetch. Um, so really trying to add a bit of diversity into, um, into our cropping, really. Um, Great. Well, I, I, I really got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> so you, you can tell I'm not a practicing farmer like your good selves. But there we are. Really not what you expect to see in, in the field, but very interesting. We'll come back to that in a minute. So, um, Chris, can we come to you? So um, what, what, what's going on on this farm that's of real interest to us when it comes to soil health and sustainability? What, what have you been focusing on? Uh, so the team down here um, have been practicing um, sort of strip till for the last uh, four or five years now. Uh, and this year was the first year we were confident enough to try some no-till. So that was really encouraging. Uh, we've gone no-till uh, after some spring pulses last year and some grass. Um, so the hope is that we've we've got the soil into a good enough to condition with strip till over the years to then progress to, uh, to no-till. Um, we've just been digging some holes here and fantastic worm population. Uh, the soil's just uh, alive and a lovely friable crumb. Um, we're using a lot of um, digestate as a main fertilizer source, which is from a food waste plant. Um, there's a, a biomass boiler on farm, which is used to, uh, to dry grain and um, really sort of ticking a lot of boxes we've been doing um, carbon footprints the last couple of years and they've come out very favorably uh, with the high levels of organic matter here you know low fertilizer use low diesel use um, really interesting business to be uh, to be part of and um, push forward for the future yeah it sounds very very good so amy from a sustainability point of view why is soil health so vital so important well we've talked about this on a couple of episodes previously when we were looking at soil health Soil health is really the pivotal part of any farming system and particularly when we're talking now about net zero and Chris mentioned about us doing some of the net zero and carbon footprints here on the farm and it's obvious that the approach that they've taken on the farm here over the past um, couple of years in terms of incorporating digestate, improving soil organic matter, 
has really helped and enabled them to achieve net zero and also looking at things like reducing their their nitrogen inputs and diversity of cropping as well which again forms part of that approach to reaching a carbon neutral system. Great so let's look at the soil here and and Chris I saw you picking up is it some fungi uh, and you know show it showing us So, so Tell us, what are you noticing in the soil that's maybe different to what you may have seen a few years ago? I think particularly this this autumn, um, having come through that very, very dry spell, we've had a bit of rain now and these fungal populations have just exploded from the fields where we've either strip-tilled or, or particularly where we've, we've carried out no-till. Um, which you know is a very good sign to us that we, we've not disturbed these fungal populations with any sort of cultivations, excess nitrogen, um, pesticides even. Um, so really a, um, a nice indicator that we're, we're doing the right thing uh, and starting to reap the rewards. Yeah, so from a farming perspective, what are you noticing in the soil? What, let's, let's take a look at you know, what we've just dug here. Uh, the spades in hand... Um, what are you noticing and what do you like about what you're seeing? We're definitely seeing far more resilience in our soils. Um, we're able to cope with periods of wet weather and periods of dry weather much better, um, allowing us to travel on the fields as well. Um, like we see here, it's had sort of 70 mils over the last week and it's still very friable. We're not waterlogged. Um, I think we're in fairly good condition, to be honest. Yeah, in fact, after all of that rain, I mean, we're standing here as if we're on you know, really well-drained land, aren't we? I mean, it's, 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 it's firm ground and uh, there's, there's no mud sticking to our boots at all. It, it, it's, it's great. In terms of that soil resilience, what does that mean? I think it's just sort of a buffering tool, um, allowing us to um, cope with more extremes in weather. So the last harvest was, was very, very dry, especially during flowering period. And uh, we still achieved very, very good yields um, despite everything. Sounds very good. And, and coming to you, Chris, um, from the point of view of managing cost of inputs, does improving soil health help the farm from that perspective? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the weed um, challenges we've had in the past, perhaps um, through managing nitrogen a little bit better and, and, and certainly uh, sort of waterlogging in certain areas. I mean, you think back, black grass is a uh, as a sort of marshy weed that, that likes those waterlogged heavy conditions if we can take that away improve drainage and infiltration levels really sort of helps the wheat or, or, or the other crop grow in there more than the black grass um, and then we've got sort of you know pest issues as well um, disease issues that uh, are sort of declining with that that improved soil health and therefore crop health on the back of it so this is something that we sort of we've touched on in previous episodes, but so you're talking not just about the fertilizer inputs being able to be managed lower, but also you're seeing benefits in actually the crop health, which is you know must have an additional benefit for you on farm. Are you seeing that, Dan? Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing that. We've been able to cut our fertilizer, artificial fertilizer usage by about eighty percent last year. Um, Sorry, hold on a sec. You've cut your fertilizer inputs by eighty percent. Artificial fertilizer. Yeah. So we are using a lot of digestate in replacement for that and sort of topping up with a bit of polysulfate. Um, but that sort of just shows what, what we're able to do. Um, we're also finding that um, our plants are far more resilient to things like diseases, aphid predation, um, that sort of thing. So, so, so Chris, um, 
you know, in terms of being the agronomist here and, and assessing what does the crop need in terms of fertiliser input, you know, what's the approach you're taking? So for the last couple of years, as, as Dan alluded to, we've been winding back our fertiliser rates, but that's been uh, a sort of programmed approach, really. So over the winter months, we're taking um, deep nitrogen cores, uh, and that's given us an idea of what we've got in the soil, what's in the crop already that's been captured. Um, and that's really been driving uh, our decision making through the rest of the year. So last season was one of the first times that we were confident enough to not put any nitrogen on um, until probably the end of March. Um, so we, we went on late February with some polysulfate to get sulfur on um, and a little bit of potash. Uh, and then we held off until say late March when that first application of digestate went on. Um, we had some very lush crops um, that we were told didn't need any nitrogen from the uh, the cores we'd taken and it all yielded as we'd expected if not a little bit better so um, that was proof in the pudding that what, what we had been doing from a you know a very scientific approach uh, had worked well. Yeah it sounds good news. We've been looking at what's going on in terms of soil health but but Dan have you noticed any difference in terms of you know um, insects and bees and pollinators you know above the soil that could be helping the crop yeah so we we haven't sprayed an insecticide on this farm for the last four years and i don't i don't want to spray an insecticide that's that's the end of it um so we're, we're trying to really increase our population of beneficials inside the field as well so as you can see here we've got some spring beans as a companion with this rape um, and they're in full flower. So sort of giving a bit of food for, for the pollinators and things, late food. Um, we're also seeing masses of ladybirds, many other beneficials. You know, when we go looking for slugs, we're finding beetles. Um, it's, it's all helping, helping the system, really. So there's a, there's a real benefit, isn't there? So towards that net zero, if a farmer can reduce artificial fertiliser inputs, okay, albeit with other inputs coming in, uh, such as your digestate, etc. But that is a massive step forward in terms of reaching net zero, isn't it, Amy? Yeah, I mean, nitrogen forms one of the biggest contributors to an arable farming system's carbon footprint. And really that's split into two parts. So we're looking at the manufacturing of nitrogen, but also what's happening in the field. Um, as an example, just as a ballpark figure, uh, you're looking at for every kilo of nitrogen, you're emitting about three kilograms of CO2 equivalents. So it's a huge difference when you're reducing your nitrogen, but also in terms of what's happening in the field from the application process, things such as your soil type, the rainfall, the climate that you're faced with will have an effect on how much carbon is emitted. So by reducing that nitrogen, you're also reducing what's happening in the soil and the nutrient cycling, making those microbes work harder to provide nutrition to the crop as well. So reducing your carbon footprint. Yeah, great, great, uh, great approach, isn't it? And it's really, really working. Um, I tell you what, dig a hole um, in, in the soil here. Let's just have a look. What I'm interested in is you've talked about the soil health. What's the benefit on, on the rooting systems of the plants? Do, do you see a big difference, Dan? Oh, yeah, massively, really. We're getting much deeper rooting now than we were, especially in things like rape and maize, quite sort of lazy rooters. Um, and they're able to go down and, and access those nutrients that weren't available to them in, um, when we were under the conventional system. Yeah, sure. And, and Chris is digging away here with, with some struggle to get those plants <laughs> out. I unfortunately snapped this off at about uh, six inches down, really. But um, yeah, um, still really nice sort of big, thick taproot there. Um, 
This was one way we tried to battle flea beetle a little, little while ago was to reduce plant numbers um, to try and give us sort of more resilient plants. So that thicker collar around here, we're probably down to about 35 plants per meter squared on a hybrid. Um, uh, and that was to try and give this uh, this plant a lot more resilience to cabbage stem flea beetle, um, which again the companions have, have really helped with that. Um, but we are finding, uh, you know, the <laughs> bit of a big canopy here, which um, means we need our wellies today. Um, but um, yeah, a lot a lot more resilient sort of plants uh, through this lower lower population and um, utilising that that nitrogen we've got left in the soil. So a real benefit in terms of that crop health. You can really see it. I mean, the, the, the plants look absolutely superbly healthy, absolutely fantastic. Dan, can I just come back to, in this particular field, you talked about the crop that you're growing here, but what's your primary objective in this field in terms of cropping output? What are you trying to achieve? At the end of the day, um, my directors are very keen on pushing profit, and that's what it comes down to. We have to make money, you know, most of our land is either tenanted or under contract farming agreements so if we're not making money i get some very difficult questions so that's what ultimately it comes down to but it's how we make money with a minimal impact to soil health and the environment is probably is probably my big big aim so we're looking at reducing our chemical inputs obviously our fertilizer inputs so we're looking at more plant targeted crop nutrition instead of uh, instead of a chemical approach and only using chemicals as a last resort Sure. And, and the reality check is, you know, a farm has to be profitable to be able to do these things, doesn't it? You know, the farm has to have that financial sustainability and long term resilience to be able to do these really wonderful things here in terms of, you know, looking after the land. Is, have I got that right? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. So, so Amy, th that, that balance is key, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, when we talk about sustainability, people tend to just think about the environmental threat of that. But the economics and remaining profitable at the end of the day is such a vital part of it. And you can only really start to make these changes again if you're making a profit at the end of the day. Um, so balancing all of these things together is really important when we talk about sustainability. So, Chris, we've, we've travelled about uh, five miles uh, uh, um, across the countryside to this other part of the farm. So tell us, why, why have you brought us here on, on this beautiful setting overlooking uh, these other fields uh, and the valley below? So tell us, why have we come here? So one of the reasons we brought you here was this, this landscape we're looking at now really sort of ties everything together in terms of what we've been trying to achieve as a farm business. Um, so these, uh, this field we're in now, which is winter wheat after a spring looping crop, um, and the fields down there, which are wheat uh, following grass, um, about a three or four year lay, um, really sort of tie everything together quite nicely. So these were the first ones we've tried no-till with the um, avatar, which was new to the farm this year. Um, this was actually following a cover crop um, or catch crop that was put in post loop-ins pre-wheat. And the two down there, um, there have been real issues in the past with um, soil-borne pests. So one way of managing that was to terminate the grass a lot earlier, um, forego a, a sort of late cut, which was going to be non-existent this year with the weather the way it was anyway, put in a catch crop, which gave us a wider window between that grass termination and, and the winter wheat going in. And we then no-tilled in the, uh, the wheat into that um, catch crop, uh, which has meant we've got very nicely established wheat, as you can see from here, uh, in a no-till scenario, very little fuel use, very little pest damage, and, um, yeah, it's just rounded everything off nicely. 
And, and I can really hear that, that balance of, yes, towards net zero, reducing the diesel requirements, uh, but also that benefit in reducing the pest burden as well. Uh, just remind us, Dan, what were the pests that you were seeing down there? So it was mainly leather jackets was our main worry. Um, it's turned out that we've probably got a bit of wireworm down there, a bit of fruit fly, um, yeah, a few bits and pieces. And how was that actually affecting the crops down there? What was the impact? So in previous years, it has dramatically taken the crop out to the point where we've had to re-drill in the spring. Wow, so that's actually stopped re-drilling cost in terms of seed, but also actually establishing that crop, the time, the diesel, everything else that goes with that, and also lost potential as well. Yeah, definitely. So some real step changes here. Let's just walk down a bit further. And, and while we do, Amy, what, what, how do you see that the, the benefit of both aiming towards net zero and reducing diesel, fertiliser requirements, uh, but also that balance in terms of, you know, crop husbandry, uh, that, that achieving crop potential. Is this a great example of it all coming together and working in, in harmony, really? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about, for example, the main principles of regenerative farming, diversity and rotation um, is one of the main key features there. And this, where we're walking now, just shows how using the right break crop, trying to reduce your nitrogen in that rotation, so looking at more than just a one-year picture, trying to expand that to a wider picture over several years, um, can have a massive impact in the long term on your sustainability. To bring all of this together, what top tip would you like to share with listeners today in terms of what a key takeaway could be that they could take back to their own farm, wherever it is in the UK? I think, I think a lot of it comes down to not being afraid to try something you know it's very easy to say oh that's not going to work on my farm but unless you try it you don't really know so i think i think that's probably the main thing is go out there try things it might not work we've had a few failures um but you learn from them and and you keep pushing forwards yeah good advice amy what would be your top tip i think there's so much uncertainty in farming uh, nowadays we've seen so many fluctuations in costs in weather um and actually looking at it beyond just a one-year period is quite important looking at things like your gross margin your wider sustainability over a whole rotation as opposed to just a one-year period can be massively beneficial because what happens in one year can be very different to the next as we've seen uh, in many places across the uk this year and many years behind that yeah sure we we can't predict the weather let alone prices inputs there's a lot that we're not sure of that's right isn't it uh, Chris, what would be your key top tip you'd like to share with, with not just farmers, actually, but other agronomists uh, listening in today? I'd say my, my top tip would be um, not to look at something like this and get overwhelmed. Take baby steps and implement what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and completely change the equipment that's in your shed. Work with what, what you've already got. Um, take small steps. Don't be afraid to ask advice, whether that's farmer to farmer or um, you know consultants that that are required um, and just build it up in a in a in a time frame that you think is comfortable so uh, thank you dan as farm manager for inviting us here and uh, chris as agronomist and amy as sustainability manager at agri some really fantastic tips about how we can improve farm sustainability by improving soil health and getting towards achieving net zero That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.